This is The Business of Life with Jan Arden and Arlene Dickinson, a weekly podcast and radio show. Listen to The Business of Life on demand by subscribing and downloading it wherever you listen to podcasts. On this episode... My mom just gave me wings. And I know that sounds kind of like a cliche. She, she just let me be myself. But she was so fair with everybody. She was... She really was an amazing. I cannot believe I was, I was her child. I just I can't believe that I got to be her kid. All coming up with Jan Arden and Arlene Dickinson. Jan, where are you? Okay, technology is amazing. 2019 is starting off with a bang in many, many ways. So I am sitting here doing our show from my kitchen table in Rocky View County using my iPad. Like it is just, it's superb. I I can't even tell you. And I look terrifying. (laughs) Well, I bet you don't. But as soon as I can find the mic they gave me, I'm too going to download the program. What did you do with it? It's worth millions of dollars. I don't know where it is. They gave it to me and I can't find it. But then again, this morning, I also couldn't find my phone, my purse or (laughs) anything else as I got ready to come here. But I think it's pretty awesome that we can now do our show from literally anywhere in the world as long as we've got Wi-Fi and an iPad and the mic. We're set to go. How many days a year do you think you travel? Oh, you know what, Jen? I've never, I've never actually added it up because I think it was... Is it 200 maybe? Prop? Mm, no, maybe. You know what? I don't know. Maybe not. I'd say... I'd say half of that. I'd say like 150 or something like that. Was that half of 200? That's not half. You know what I mean. Well, 365 days in a year, correct? Last time I checked, but um, I'm well over the 200 mark. Well, if you uh, are, then I'm going to say I am too. I'm going to, I bet I am too. Yeah, I pretty much, I'm almost positive you are. But, you know, technology is, it, it has its ups and downs, its positives and its negatives. But this, I think, is so incredible that we can communicate with each other in an unprecedented way. We can... I can record a song, literally where I'm sitting now in my kitchen, and have it sounding really quite great because of digital technology, and somebody in Finland can download it like a week from now. So for me, um, I know there was a lot of skepticism initially, I think, in the music business, certainly, you know, just about how music was being delivered and sent around the world, but I mean, for someone in none of it, or someone in you know, a remote part of Siberia or in the Horn of Africa to have this kind of access to be talking to you in real time and and hearing you very clearly, it actually makes my heart want to explode, Arlene, because I think it's going to change humanity. I think it's not going to distance us. I think it's going to bring us much closer together. And we're just getting started. I mean, think about the Internet. It's really only been here for 25 years. You know, when you say that, I'll tell you what went through my mind was thinking about the days when I was young and uh, listening to CBC and the stories that they would. And this story is brought to you from, you know, um, Corner Brick, Newfoundland. And, mm-hmm. and you know, or, is it Newfoundland? I always say it wrong. Newfoundland? Newfoundland. And you say it any way you want. Okay. Well, I think they care. <laughs> People from Corner Brook. I say Newfoundland. I say Newfoundland. 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 Um, anyway, I apologize to all the Newfoundlanders out there that I didn't say it right the first time. But I remember those stories that, and it was like the I'm the far the fisherman that's off the the coast of you know 
um, Newfoundland, or I am the the farmer that's in and they you know, had the sound Saskatchewan, and they and they and they had these amazing stories that it actually changed my entire vista as a child thinking about all these corners of our country that we didn't think about we didn't know we couldn't explore because travel wasn't accessible it wasn't affordable and there we were in our homes listening to the radio to these and to the television uh, to these amazing stories of Canadians and the things that they went through and what their daily lives were and it was to me like a book had come to life and I think technology to your point is going to give us that opportunity to bring the world to each other and to share it's whether or not it's going to be used in the right way is the 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 depth of the question whether or not the information we're getting and the stories that are being told are truthful honest um, reasonable and 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 fair are really the issue today well there's always going to be knuckleheads that ruin it for everybody else but the thing of it is go towards the good people you know attach yourself to you know positivity and people that are you know, cheering on the rest of humanity. And and that's what you've got to be mindful of, I think, especially us as we get older. Arlene, you and I both realize, you know, we wish we would have known these things at 30 years old to walk away from people that are stealing from our our very souls, from our spirituality, from our goodness. I mean, there's nothing that will indicate to you uh, that you need to get away from somebody when you leave uh, even a simple conversation feeling depleted, you should you should walk away from every encounter you have with another human being feeling lifted, feeling encouraged, and feeling like you're being cheered on. And that's the way I'm going to go forward in my life, and, and uh, without exception. And that may seem a bit harsh, but anyway, I know this is a long roundabout way to talk about me sitting at my kitchen table, very scantily clad, I might add. <laughs> uh, doing well. doing this show today, but I'm it's thrilling and I'm so glad to be here. Um, there's a million things I'd like to talk about, but if you would so humor me, I would love to talk about the passing of my mom. And I know that seems like kind of a weird. Hi, welcome to 2019. My mom died, but I think death is important to talk about. I, I Jan, I I would love to hear your from you and and your feelings and and that experience and and I think um, our listeners would be honored to be able to understand the emotions and the depth of grief and all the the feelings that you have about it so yes please please the show is yours. yeah and I mean no we there's lots of I mean you're gonna have so many stories and so much input I just for me it'll be kind of cathartic in many ways just to share this whole experience and plus, in the honor of my mom, she always spoke very openly, candidly, with humor, and just a lot of bravado about death and dying. I mean, one of my earliest uh, memories of talking about dying was at our kitchen table um, in a little community called Lakeview. It was when we were still living in the city of Calgary. We hadn't even moved out to Springbank yet. And I remember my mom, and I'm, I probably was six, six or seven years old, and she said something about, you kids are going to die someday, so you better make the best of it. I mean, I'm absolutely paraphrasing. You don't remember a lot at six years old. But I remember looking at her like, what? Like, and then I just thought that she brought such a normalcy to it um, that now at 56, I appreciate more than you could ever know. I don't know about you, but it, did your 
family ever talk about death, like in a candid way, Arlene? Um, yes and no. I think I, I think um, I think in a different way. It wasn't so much about our our our. It was more about mortality. You know, it was it was about okay. you know like the notion that we aren't going to live forever and that there was some you know life after death so it was more about through religious teachings I would say that we talked about it versus you know you're going to die one day and this is what you need to think about as it relates to living and and actually I said maybe a little bit of both but not to the extent that you're talking about I think that's fascinating that your mom was so astute and aware and made you recognize how important life is yeah she just she she brought it up a lot she took us to funerals as kids uh, when you know, my great aunt had died. Of course, those are the relatives you kind of lose first. Was my mom's aunts and uncles and cousins and people that had died in accidents. I remember getting a dress on and my brothers getting little suits on and going to funerals. Um, hilarious story. Not so much for the neighbors who lost their daughter, but uh, when I was in high school, I was probably, gosh, maybe eight, 17, 18 years old. One of our neighbor's kids died in a car accident, and my mom said, well, it's really important that we go to the funeral. Well, we got ready. Dad took a few hours off work, met us at home, picked us up. We're sitting in the back of the church because we, we got there late. We couldn't figure out how the hell did we get here late. Like, my mom was so punctual all the time. Well, it turns out we're at the wrong friggin' funeral. We're at some guy. The casket's going out by us, and it's like, goodbye, George. <laughs> And, you know, this, our young neighbor's <laughs> name was not George. So, That's hilarious. <laughs> so we, my mom was mortified, but we did make it. I mean, obviously, my mom really had us going like an hour before we needed to be there. So after George was carted out, we beelined it and headed over to the right Catholic church. But I just remember hearing this really drab ceremony that didn't really speak to who this young girl was. I mean, I used to babysit this kid. You know, when I was like 12, 13 years old, I think she was maybe six or seven years younger than me. And uh, I just, I remember thinking, gosh, is this how you remember people? This just seems so sterile. And it was all about Jesus and the afterlife and, you know, all these things that I wasn't particularly convinced about to begin with. But I just thought, this is not how you celebrate a life. Everyone sat there in complete silence, staring at this casket staring at this guy that did not know her from a rock, expounding these things that had nothing to do with her and everything to do with, you know, a religion that no one was really interested in. They were there to, to hear about this, this young lady. Anyway. When you talk about being at those funerals and thinking those things, I do remember that exact same thing where you sit there and, as I said, you know, like, that's kind of the impression, which is, is that all there is? Is that how you remember people? And I remember um, being at a funeral and thinking to myself, you know, when I die, I'm going to just tell people to get me a pine box, a plain pine box, and give everybody who attends a magic marker and get them to write whatever the hell they want on my cast. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and they can write whatever party message they want to say, you know, go ahead and write away and say your, say your piece with me. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that, that struck me sitting at a funeral one day thinking, no, there's got to be something more to this about the interaction between, 
you and the person who has left. And Jan, I, I'd love to hear. I know that you uh, wrote your mom's eulogy, and and yeah. you, you, I'd love to hear about kind of. Well, let's go back. Let's start with you know you came back after the new year and. Your your mom was um, in her last days, and why, why don't you tell me about how that? Well, I went. I made it home. I went to uh, the UK for Christmas, and we talked about that on one of our shows that yeah. we were both going away for the holidays. And um, I knew that when I left, that mom was already making up her mind. She was winding things down. She, the Alzheimer's had. Uh, she'd forgotten how to swallow, which is very very typical of an Alzheimer's sufferer. Uh, they literally forget how to engage those muscles to swallow. So obviously it becomes increasingly more difficult to sustain life. Some families choose to hook their parents up to, you know, hydration and feeding tubes and all that stuff, and I declined all of it. So I didn't know if she would make it through, but I also know my mother would be saying to me, go on your trip. Don't be ridiculous. I'm not even going to know I'm dead. I can just hear my mother saying that to me. She was very funny. But I did get home. Um, and uh, it, it's such a scary thing watching somebody die. I'm not used to it. I watched my father die. It was not a pleasant experience. My mom and my dad could not have been more opposite of each other and how they exited the world, but very true to who they were. So that was interesting to me. My dad was very frightened. He had so many loose ends. There were so many un, un, unsaid things. Um, and it, it really showed itself when he went. He didn't want to go, and it was terrifying. Anyway, onward. So my mom, on the other hand, was composed, calm, peaceful, still, determined, steadfast. She was exactly true to who she was. Um, I asked her many, many years ago if she was scared of dying many times, because like I said, we talked about it a lot. And she said, why would I be scared of dying? I, there's nothing to it. And she was just so matter-of-fact about it. You know, I don't want to die in a fiery crash. And then she'd laugh, she'd throw her head back. That would not be great. But I'm not afraid of it. I'm just not. So... That was a gift she gave to me and to my brothers. But, uh, you know, when I got there, she was, she died six hours after I got there. It was quite quiet until the last hour. And then her lungs started filling up with fluids. And it, it's very scary because your body, everything in your mind and heart is telling you to call. Call 911. Get help. Get them to prop her up. Suction out her lungs. Clear out her throat. Keep her going. And it's absolutely opposite of that. You sit and slowly watch those breaths become further apart and then just the stopping of a life. And it's scary, so you kind of go into shock. And, you know, the grief is, you, you it's different for everybody. I mean, I, I could hear somebody crying very loudly and it, it was me, you know, I just was kind of making this sound and my little brother was with me, and he was he was quite composed. And um, Nadine, my longtime friend and, and uh, my assistant, the, the woman that's been working with me and mom this last four years, you know, she was just crying. And we also had a death doula with us. Her name was Janine Violini, and she Violini, sorry, and um, she was my assistant for ten years, and she has gone into the dying business the last eight years. So there are more and more death doulas on the scene, very similar to a birth doula, 
that know the mechanics of death. They know the stages. They know what to expect. They can guide you through it. And I cannot express to you, Arlene, how what a difference it made for me not only to have my friend Janine there, but to have someone guiding us through the very precarious steps of a person dying. Yeah, I can. I mean, you you paint a such a vivid picture, and I can I can see that, Jan. I can see that in my my mind. You know, like just it, it it's hard not to have it make you cry because it is such a. And I think it's okay. You know, like we we sometimes we think, oh, we, you know, like be strong. Well, no, it, you know, like it is a passage, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know, you talk about your mom passing peacefully. Isn't that what everybody wants? Isn't that what no one deserved wants? it more than her? Yes, yeah. You know, and she she um, no, it just was really something else. But you know, with my dad, <laughs> God love him. You know, there's no secret that he, we had a contentious relationship. You know, we I didn't really talk to my dad over the years. We had very few conversations. Um, he was a tough guy. And when he died, you know, I remember trying to get his eyelids shut. They wouldn't shut. And, you know, in the movies where they, you know, grab them and they just, the eyelids just go down. Well, my dad just went bing, ding. They kept opening up. And Sorry, it kind of made me smile a little yeah. bit. No, you should laugh. I mean, there, there is humor in this. There is, there is joy in this. It's not, it's not all gloom and doom. We've got to change that dialogue. But anyway, a sheet got thrown over his head, and Mom and, and Patrick and, and myself, we left. There was no ceremony. There was no, we said to the nurse in the hallway, um, I think he died. Oh, I'll come in and, you know, <laughs> I'll listen to him for his heartbeat or lack thereof. And it was very unceremonious and quite awful. With my mom, with the help of Janine, we had a ceremony. We stayed with my mom's body for 75 minutes, 90 minutes. We washed her hands and her feet and her legs and her little face with lavender water. We put, we put cream on her hands and cream on her feet. I kissed her toes. And um, we put flowers around her. And... I'm sorry to cry, everybody, but um, we put flowers all around her and we said, you know, words of forgiveness and we told her what a great person she was and we, Janine did this really cool thing where she cleared like chakras, you know, she's, she's so well versed in this and she, she said there's, your mom's energy is really tangled up with our energy. You know, it's a real process for the soul. And, and I believe in all that. Like people listening that may not believe in any of that, that's fine too. You need to believe what you believe. And I, I'm not forcing any of this on you, any of my... And I'm not a particularly religious person. I don't picture God sitting on a marble throne. I don't think I picture God at all. We've talked about that, Arlene. Anyway, we opened the window and we we kind of waved her out the window. And we... You know, we put a little feather in her hands to all the little birds that she saved, and we made it very personal to her. My mom's eyelids did close, I'm happy to report. Um, much like my dad, she was staring up at the ceiling, so I closed her little eyelids, and she um, she just was so elegant. But she was definitely not in there. And um, I don't have a lot of experience looking at dead bodies. I just don't. We don't in this culture. They are shuttled away from us. They go to the funeral home. You know, you look at a country like 
Holland is a perfect example. Families very on a regular, normal, normal basis have their families on a cooling mat in the living room for a week, Arlene. People come and have a cup of coffee and a cookie standing by the body, telling stories, looking at them, touching their head, touching their chest, holding their hand, saying their farewells. There's something so dignified and normal about it. They don't you know, we, we see a dead body here in Western culture, and it's almost like we're, we're, we should turn our eyes away. And, and I'm just so grateful I spent time with my mom's body and, and looked at her and looked at her hands and looked at her knuckles that are just, were, you know, I'm just so grateful. But it was a, a scary experience. It was a, it was a beautiful experience. It was a, it was a, second oh gosh it was it was out of body it was just an out of body experience but i have such a better outlook with mom than i did my dad because of how we treated her little vessel my mom always believed we were kind of astronauts and i love that about her and when you're a kid when you hear that your soul is your pilot yes you're you that's your spaceship and you're the pilot so you've got to look after your spaceship. So when you're 9 and 10, I looked at my mom and I'm like, yes, that makes total goddamn sense. I'm piloting a ship. And so for mom, she just, she ejected. <laughs> she, her pilot ejected and you really got a sense of that. Anyway, I'm rambling on and I, I apologize. Um, but it was a really special experience. So Jan, you you know again, you know that's it's just so such a beautiful story, and you talk about how we treat um, people on the way out and and the lives they've lived and paying honor to them, and you have done, I, I you've touched so your mom and you have touched so many lives. I, I mean, the legacy that she left with her life is is one of honor and and steadfastness and beauty and and kindness and I, I mean I I didn't know her but I knew her you know and I think everybody mm -hmm. who reads your stories feels that way yeah you didn't have to see my mother through rose-colored glasses for sure she was so authentic she was fair with everybody she was never never judgmental you know I was a, a young person growing up and I had lots of sexuality questions growing up and I had girlfriends and I had boyfriends and you know, I, you know, and as a young person, you know, it's kind of a difficult terrain to, to navigate. And I have to credit both my mom and my dad, because my, this says so much about both of them, and her in particular. Well, you're a completely normal person. And when that is your message, when you are a young lady, you know, getting out there in the world and figuring out what you like and what makes you tick and what makes you work and I I just that resonated for me my entire life it has so much to do with my success it has so much to do with how I conduct my life um, how I feel about my life you are a normal person and my dad said to me we'd love you if you were pink with purple spots and this is a tough guy that was in concrete his whole life so just on that front um, you hear so many stories of of kids that are kicked out of the house and all this stuff for 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 anything even que any, any questionable behavior my mom just 
gave me wings and I know that sounds kind of like a cliche she she just let me be myself but she was so fair with everybody she was she really was an amazing I cannot believe I was I was her child I just I can't believe that I got to be her kid um, the ceremony that we had a few days ago for my mom was so amazing once again Janine Violini my, my friend that's gone into the death business because she loves it. She loves the process. She loves helping families. She loves helping people that are passing over. Um, anyway, she, the, the ceremony was just amazing. It was, it was lighthearted. We did it at the Calgary Zoo. My friend Trish uh, just said, please, you know, do it here. We did it. There was plants all around us. There was 110 people. It was slideshow. People clapped. People laughed. Um, my eulogy was just stories. My brothers didn't want to speak, which was great. My, my brother, who's been in jail for 26 and a half years, came with a guard. So he was able to come oh, and awesome. say farewell to my mom. And I'm very grateful to the, to the institution and to the government of Canada for giving these guys um, these, these humanitarian passes. You know, some people might disagree with it, but it was a really beautiful gesture on part of the Canadian government it made it it was nice for us to be all together but anyway I said years ago I said to my mom so what the hell do you want me to do when you die like I need some instructions do you want to be cremate what do you what do you want you want to be buried well you know I'm always cold I can't picture myself on the ground and I don't particularly like the thought of being burnt but do what you want I don't care what you do with me but you know what I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind a choir so we got a choir <laughs> And uh, it was the Young Canadians Alumni Choir. It was uh, these beautiful kids. And I think people were so surprised because I said that at the very end of the eulogy. I, I talked about what mom wanted. And, you know, people should talk about that. what the hell they want, Arlene. They really should mention what they might like to have happen mm -hmm. because you're going to drop dead. Anyway, the choir went off and um sang some beautiful songs this young girl did good mother and and uh the slideshow was so fun there was funny clips of mom and there was just a nice tea and coffee and a luncheon and everyone had a nice visit but it was lots of laughs like my eulogy was super funny i just told stories about mom and it was nothing religious mom wouldn't have wanted that there was no mention of that my mom wasn't good in her life because she thought it would help her get to heaven my mom was good in her life because she was good in her life there was no motivation. There was no. There was no reason to be good. She was good because she was a really decent human being. But uh, yeah, it was just it was just an incredible day. And and um, the nice thing, and this was Janine's idea once again. She said, you know, it's nice for people to leave with something that was your mom. Well, my my mom had dozens of these decorative plates. I didn't want them. She goes, I hope you don't get rid of my plates. Well, Mom, I got rid of your GD plates. Anyway, everyone got to take a plate home. They were they were all over the place. They had cookies on them. They had candies on them. They had lemon tarts on them or butter tarts. And 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 uh, we said to everybody, listen, those plates that you're eating all that stuff off of, take one home. And everyone came up to me and said, I am so touched about having your mom's plate. Everyone left with one of these plates. You know those things you could order in magazines? I don't know. My mom had so many of them. Anyhow, I'm going to stop talking now, Arlene. But that was, that was my story about mom. And just, 
it was it's it's a it's a triumph the whole thing's a triumph she she knew me to the very end she knew my brothers she 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 always made me a promise she wasn't going to forget me and she really she didn't and the last thing she said to me was i love you jan thank you for sharing this i mean i um it stops me and the thing of it is it's so okay to cry about it and and i and i've actually done a lot better than i thought i kept thinking to myself you know especially being uh the main caretaker to both my parents this last decade i thought how am i going to deal with this um but you know i i put my life on hold and my mom knew that i put my life on hold with relationships um i really tried to carry on with work um i really really feel and empathize with families that you know are looking after someone with alzheimer's or dementia because it is it is such a difficult task to undertake i was very lucky i've said this a million times that i had the means to afford help and uh but most families arlene are on the front lines and they have their their parents their husbands their aunts their sisters their grandmothers at home and uh they're trying to figure out how to to live a life and look after these people while not you know wanting to literally cut their own hands off out of frustration but um you know i didn't know how i would do i thought the devastation would be uh, to such a degree that i wouldn't be able to function and contrarily to that i felt empowered um i'm kind of grappling a little bit with guilt because i feel a sense of joy and i feel a true sense of happiness uh my mom's life was well lived we we die that's what we do so Yes, there's sadness in that, but there's also such grace in the fact that she was here at all, and my mom was very practical that way. That she was here at all, she said, "Jan, it's such. Look around you. You know, you're on a little speck of dust hurling through the universe, and you got a chance to be here. So do something with it. Make the best of it. And you know, I I, I have to say, I was very honored earlier in uh, 2018. James Comey wrote a book. um the the uh the, the everyone's familiar with James Comey I'm sure through the whole Trump administration fiasco blah 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 anyway James Comey was you know FBI guy but one of the quotes that he used was mine on the very first chapter of his book and it said to not think about dying is to not think about living and i was so shocked when people started contacting me saying did you know that you were in James Comey's book and i'm like no Don't they have to get permission? I said I have no idea. I said I don't even know if I said that. <laughs> anyway, it made me laugh. Um, but it's true. And because my mom prepared me so well and because she made death and dying part of our everyday dialogue that it was like talking about a sandwich or talking about you know uh, going on a vacation. It was never something that was oh my should we talk about dying now. It wasn't something whispered in the corners. and i am so grateful for my mom for that my dad on the other hand was so afraid of it was never spoken about he was afraid of the afterlife he was afraid of punishment that's what religion did to him that's what that was the gift that religion left with him uh was was that fear that really stole his happiness and stole much of the joy in his life and i will always be sorry for him on that front Do you, do you, do you feel is it you know the 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 also I think that you talk a little bit about oh hold on 
Oh, sorry. Um, sorry, I was off in the thinking, thinking and turning no, my no. head. Um, do you feel, Jan, that part of that is, 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 is us deciding whether we have lived a life well lived, as you said? Have we lived well? Does that, does that weigh on us as we come to the end? I mean, perhaps, but that's the whole thing. Um, you know, a life well lived means all kinds of different right. things. My mom was not, she didn't have this huge social circle. My mom was quite a, quite a private person, but she loved flowers. She loved gardening. She loved learning. She loved reading. She loved walking. She loved nature. So her life was one that was very contemplative, mm -hmm. but for her it felt very big. You know, she she loved really simple things, but yet she was so impactful on anyone that ever met her. You know, I, on the other hand, you know, you look at my life and it's like, blah, 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 this loud person. I'm out there, you know, singing and dancing and doing all this stuff. And my mom, none, nothing like that was ever important to her. But she cheered me on in what I wanted to do. But she, I, I think she really took so much um, pride in her friendships and she was so proud of all of us kids and she just it was very simple very different it was very simple things but she always felt like she'd lived a very good life and she always lived in absolute optimism she was the most optimistic person I'd ever met and that I probably ever will meet I would be happy sitting on an orange crate in the middle of a road and I'm like yeah well that you probably be dodging a few cars mom but she was she was she found joy in in every single moment that she had she was very grateful to be here she was never bored she was never idle I mean she would she thought we were ridiculous if any of us kids ever said I'm bored she'd be like well you better get ready for a very difficult life you know so she cautioned us all the time about you know, doing, being, living a life that was, had purpose, uh, living a life that, that, you know, was, was filled with, with jobs and with helping people and with, you know, a, a task oriented life, doing things. She goes, what else is there? You do things and you do things for other people. And, you know, when you're 15, you don't want to hear that, but at my age, I know exactly a purposeful life is everything to have purpose. And it doesn't mean you're an astronaut. It doesn't mean you're a singer. It, it, it means a myriad of, of seemingly insignificant things. You know, you, you made a comment about how, you know, you, you're singing, dancing, you know, loud, etc. It's so not true, Jan. I, I mean, I, well, I, you know I, what I mean, I, I do, but I, I didn't, I didn't know your mother, um, as I said earlier, um, but I do know you, and your mom is is in you. You are the most optimistic. Well, I'm not always optimistic, Arlene. I no, try. You are, and kind. I'm not always kind either, but no, but you, but your mom is in you. Your mom has instilled in you a sense of purpose, a sense of who you are, a sense of being. Absolutely. Her, the way she lived her life will inform mine till the, till the day I die. It will, right. 
it absolutely has shaped the person that I am. And you know, and I and I also feel for people. You know, I've I've gotten thousands of notes these last this last week, Arlene. People that are you know talking about. I had a very contentious relationship with my mother. My mother and I had so many untied strings. You know, when she passed away, um, I have so many regrets. And you know, I wish I could tap back to all these people. For anyone that has written me a note, I'm, I apologize for that. Um, it's just physically impossibly impossible for me to do that, but. What I will say, just as a blanket statement, for, for anyone that has had those bad relationships with, with family members or brothers or sisters or uncles and people that you have, that you do have those untied strings and, and, you know, words that were absolutely left unspoken, it's okay. It's all right. And because you didn't have that resolution here in this physical life, do not carry it forward with you. I can tell you that because that was my experience with my dad. Um, I didn't have that relationship that I have with my mom. Um, it was, I had a lot of hatred sometimes for my father. I didn't like him. I didn't, I didn't think he liked me. And we did our best to polish off that rock as, as I got older and he got older. But there's lots of things that I think back on now that, I'm not going to fix in this lifetime, but I'm not going to carry it up the hill with me. I'm just not. And my mom wouldn't want me to. She would be like, that's ridiculous. Like, I, I will be always be able to hear her inside my head, even at, the, at, at her memorial. I thought I'd cry all the way through the damn thing. I thought I'm never going to be able to get through this. And I did. Because I kept hearing mom go, well, don't cry through the whole thing because no one will understand the stories. <laughs> And I have that indelible person with me. And I, I, I wrote yesterday, she's, she's, she's so not gone. I mean, it's laughable to think about. People change. We change forms. But I think there's so much more to tap into with our ancestors that have gone before us. There's so much of that positivity and energy to tap into. And I'm just learning, you know, how to be better and to do more for other people. And I'm so grateful that maybe I do have a few years left to, to write things that I was unhappy with and to, to change things and to evolve. You know, every day is a new opportunity to, to get it right. I think a lot of people give up on themselves. They just, they just kind of pack it in. But these death lessons, I mean, we have to die because it's the only way we learn. Human beings are that daft. So we have to die. It is such a, an educator, it's such a, a gift that we are given to, there is an end line, there is a finish line here. So get going on whatever it is that you want to do and whoever it is that you want to be and fight for it. God, fight, fight for it. Fight for your friendships, fight for, you know, for equality or just just get in there and roll your sleeves up and and make a difference in the world that's all i can say and every time i lose somebody on this planet it makes me all the more determined well i i i thank you for sharing all of this and um this show is has to be dedicated to your mom you know to to joan richards and to everything she did joni joni thank you yeah thank you very much Talk to you soon. We will indeed.
Thank you for listening to The Business of Life with Jan Arden and Arlene Dickinson, a weekly podcast and radio show. Subscribe and download The Business of Life wherever you listen to podcasts.